Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhao. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhao. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. And I always welcome you to connect me on LinkedIn. Today we have Mark Mueller Epstein with me on the show. He is the founder and CEO of Agitech Corporation, and he's teaching at Rutgers University's Business School. He's also a public speaker, an angel investor, and an advisor for multiple startups. Today we are going to talk about blockchain. And what blockchain is happening in China? Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you very much, Michelle. It's a pleasure and honor to be here with you today. So let's start with your introduction. I did a little bit introduction,、mm-hmm. very brief. Can you tell our audience more about your background and what's your relationship to blockchain? Sure, happy to do this. As my last name Müller Eberstein gives it away, I'm born and raised in Germany, but I moved to the U.S. about oh my god, twenty something years ago. Yeah, show your age now. Yes, yeah, it does for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was in kindergarten, I think. No.、Um, <laughs> I have been in the IT industry for nearly thirty years. Information technology.、Um, worked for companies like Hewlett Packard and、uh, Microsoft. And、um, about eight years ago, wrote my first book, which called, was called Agility: The Impact of Technology on Business Success. A lot of customers, a lot of large、uh, executives from large companies, afterwards reached out and asked, "What does these new technologies that could be a competitive advantage do for my business?" Mm-hmm. I might not be having a background in IT, but I really want to understand what cloud computing, social media, Internet of Things, artificial intelligence. What do they mean? How do they transform my current business? How could competitors leverage it and compete with me more efficiently? And、um, of course, I only scale so far. So eight years ago, I founded the EdgeTech Corporation, which is a high-end consulting business.、Um, we're working usually with business leaders and the Intersection of IT and business success. Sometimes we're working with the IT leaders to help bridges to their colleagues on the business side as well.、Mm-hmm. Of course, as I said, we are trying to be at the cutting edge of technology. That's why it's edge tech.、Um, for and always trying to embrace what is the latest trend. So we usually have been a couple of years ahead of the curve. And for about four years, we are looking into this new technology called blockchain technology. Of course, it all started with Bitcoin,、um, which just celebrated its ten years anniversary、mm-hmm. with the Satoshi paper. And、um, we looked into what does this technology mean for traditional businesses, for the financial industry. And the more we drilled into the subject matter, the more we learned, the more opportunities and transformational potential we've seen. I got the big 
fortunate opportunity to be invited to actually uh, leverage um, the Qinghai Innovation Research Institute in Shenzhen uh, several years ago. And together with the researchers and academics there, we looked into what blockchain technology is going to do for the financial system, the supply chain system, the international trade, and uh, found really some interesting applications and uh, we have never looked back and always uh, keep focusing in that space. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned the Qianghai, it's a research institute mm -hmm. in Shenzhen, that's that, in China. That's correct. Yeah, because you are based in, in Seattle, mm -hmm. in the U.S., right? Uh, yeah, and mm -hmm. by the way, we were colleagues, so we were <laughs> both from Microsoft a long time ago. Uh, that's how we knew each other. So my curiosity here is... Uh, why you got uh, in touch with that uh, Chinese research mm -hmm. institute and uh, start to look at uh, blockchain versus here from the mm -hmm. U.S. directly? <laughs> I would say no good deed gets unpunished. Um, my history with China so is, uh, started in about 2002 when I was working at Microsoft. So mm -hmm. I got to work with our Microsoft research colleagues all over the world, including the, at that time, relatively new research facilities in Beijing and Shanghai. Yep. And after I left Microsoft, uh, a lot of these contacts kept kept going. Like I have friends all over the world, mm -hmm. and I like to learn. I like to know. I know that innovation can happen in the uh, most unlikely places, so I like to have my ear on the cutting edge. And um, of course, opportunities to visit China over the last ten years have always been very 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 welcome. So I have about four years ago to deliver the closing keynote for the Chinese Cloud Computing Congress. Mm. It was a three-day event, I think, um, and the closing event was in the press conference center at uh, Beijing for the Olympics. I think we had about 10,000 people in the audience. It was, um, and I closed the event with an outlook of how cloud computing and computing capabilities in general are mm -hmm. changing businesses. After that presentation, I got approached by the people running the institute in Shenzhen, and uh, they explained to me that they have this brand new area of the city they are building. They have this research institute set up. They had about 40 foreign educated master and PhD um, graduates. And um, they were looking to identify especially innovation in the financial sector. Mm. And I had just started with my team to look into blockchain technology deeper. I thought this would be a great opportunity to really combine two passions of mine in one opportunity. One, to live in China for a little bit longer, a couple of <laughs> months at least, not only a visit for a couple of days or a week from time to time, but really just dive in a little bit deeper, maybe even learn the language a little bit. Which uh, I wasn't very successful on that one. Well, you are um, making efforts. <laughs> you are making progress. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> and, um, and then last but not least, really leveraging 40 really smart people to understand collect the uh, available information and um, learn as much as possible. There was also another twist to it, which is at that time, China, the mining industry for Bitcoin had just started to mm. taking off. So there was a lot of innovation happening on the hardware side, on the business model side. And um, being able to really start at the ground, meet with the people that were driving the innovation, learn from them, um, was was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Wow. Okay, that's your connection with China the, over the last 10 years, even though you're a German. 
<laughs> so yeah, I I would recall when I heard about the blockchain. The first time I heard about this word was from you, because you talked about it very passionately, and uh, <laughs> that's something you know when you talk, you were so excited. And then I started to, you know, get a little bit deeper into it.、Mm. Uh, let's give our audience a basic understanding: what is blockchain? Use some language that、uh, for normal people can understand, not、mm. the techies.、Mm. Okay. <laughs> I wish it would be so easy.、Um, so the short, I think the one, the, the reason why I'm so excited about it is I have been in tech for thirty years and I have seen the internet wave happening, mobile, social, all of these things. The blockchain technology wave that we're experiencing right now. Um, feels stronger and faster than any of these waves before.、Mm-hmm. One of the best explanations for non-technologists I've heard just compares the transformational potential we are having with this technology has really not much to do with information technology at all. It means we have to go back a couple of thousand years, four or five thousand years. Okay, that's a brief <laughs> concept. <laughs> You're going back four or five thousand years. Okay, let's hear from you.、Um, If we think about human civilization, human civilization, we lived in villages. We really, there was really no central organization that beyond maybe a family unit. That changed about five thousand years ago at multiple places around the world. In China, of course, in Babylonia, in Egypt. What happened at all of these places around the same time was the invention of writing,、mm-hmm. and the first places where writing was used was creating inventories. Ledgers of assets,、mm. and with having the assets registered, it was able to do taxation. So we can say the invention of writing and the first version of ledgers of inventories was the foundation of centralized organizations and human culture. Okay, wow. <laughs> and that technology of recording information、mm-hmm. did really basically not change、mm-hmm. until about five hundred years ago. So the next big innovation. In how we keep records and transactions, happened in the 1400s in the Renaissance, and、um, it's basically double-entry accounting, bookkeeping as we call it today.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want、What、to make sure all、mm-hmm. this can match, right? Exactly. The exactly.、Mm-hmm. The big difference here is a difference in trust. If we think about before double-entry accounting, before you can go and match the entries. We had to trust the person actually writing the record.、Mm-hmm. The person making—if the person on the clay table or the papyrus made a change—nobody would ever know.、Mm-hmm. So, if、uh, I give the writer a couple of extra—I don't know—bags of rice and they change your properties and put my name in there, there's no way you can. Verify that actually something has happened there. So we really had to trust the writers. And if you look at like old Egyptian statues, you find statues of doctors, pharaohs, and writers.、Mm. So it was a very important position, but it also was a very limited position because there were very few people you can actually trust. Double entry accounting really moved the trust from the person to the books.、Mm-hmm. Now we can audit the books. As you just said, you can look at the different.、Um, You can look at every transaction. Every transaction has to have a counter transaction.、Yep. So the trust moved from the individual to the books, and therefore was far more scalable. We didn't need to have one trusted person. We could have many, many writers or bookkeepers, and we just needed some auditors from time to time to check that they were doing the right thing. That allowed trade to scale in unparalleled 
opportunity. So we can say that double entry accounting created the foundation for our modern societies, for modern banking, modern financing, of course, but also modern trade, internationalization, corporations. So our economic systems today would not be possible without double entry. Wow. <laughs> Thanks to those uh, inventors, right, uh, and, uh, and understand the connection from yeah. history. Okay. So, but if I think if we really embrace these two fundamental accounting innovations as foundations for our civilization, economic transformation, then I think we start to get an understanding what blockchain can do. Because here's where we are. I think we are at the third wave of accounting revolution. Mm-hmm. What does this mean when you do? traditional accounting you get some money in you do a recording but it can take weeks days hours sometimes months until you're actually able to verify transactions yeah so auditing books are closed like once a year yes there is an auditability but it's not instant the transaction and the record in the books are not the same there there's a time difference between all of these things mm-hmm. so we still need to have we have a time delay, also an auditing delay, auditing opportunities. So for if you wanted to see the books from, I don't know, Microsoft or General Motors, you just can't go and look into their accounting books. They have an auditor, they look at it once a year and approve the books, but you individually, you can't access those, account, uh, those accounts itself. There's yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With blockchain technology, we're moving to something that's called, we call it triple entry accounting. Without having a centralized database or book, people can start to transact between individuals peer to peer, which means the moment we are making a transaction, the transaction is managed and recorded on the blockchain in real time. So the moment the the transaction is finalized and approved by the blockchain, it also creates an immutable record of that transaction. And that record is right away visible to everybody. So the first implementation of this technology was Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin meaning like I can send money from my electronic wallet to you. And within 10 minutes, that transaction is globally recorded. And everybody who has the wallet address or the transaction ID can verify that the transaction actually did happen. If you think about a credit card transaction, it can take 90 days until it's finalized. With Bitcoin, 10 minutes. International wires can take days or weeks until they are finalized. Again, with Bitcoin, in 10 minutes. Other cryptocurrencies have been even faster than that. Now, thinking about these transactions of monetary value as an entry, that's one kind of application of a blockchain and of a transaction. So just mm-hmm. before you transition mm-hmm. to the other kind of applications, mm-hmm. so for this one, the transaction, what you mentioned is the key difference is now it is something that can be recorded from the time standpoint. It's very fast mm-hmm. and then you can validate it, mm-hmm. verify it almost mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. And it also can be accessed by people all over the world if they mm-hmm. have the right ID mm-hmm. or the right uh, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the three key characteristics you just described you're, about mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this uh, transaction you're correct, by you're blockchain correct. technology. You're absolutely correct, Michelle. Mm-hmm. And the moment you understand those three, you can see more opportunities to leverage the technology. 
So one of the areas why, for example, the Chinese government is very interested in blockchain technology is looking at this kind of shared database, basically, or distributed ledger, as it's also called, for the Belt and Road Initiative. For what? The Belt and Road Initiative. Oh, the Belt and Road uh, Initiative. Yeah, that's a very big uh, mm-hmm. initiative led by the Chinese government, mm-hmm. and it's... Uh, the Belt and Road, how many countries you know, along that? Uh, that uh, <laughs> Former Silk Road, yes, yeah, and uh, the ocean. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, many countries mm-hmm. are yeah. included. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It because, will generate a big impact yeah. to the world. But as you just said, there are many, many countries included, so they have different legal systems, they have different accounting systems, they have different currencies. All of these things are different and often incom- incompatible, both from a data set but also electronically with each other. So how do you manage the data of goods, customs payments happening from one place through many, many other places to the final end destination? And it's again, this is where blockchain can start to play a key role because you have now a distributed ledger that is updated in more or less real time, visible to everybody, and you can track your information for the supply chain, but also for the um, documentation that goes with specific products or projects or or goods across the delivery chain, country by country, stop by stop. Mm. So that's a huge project, it looks like. Mm -hmm. But uh, blockchain here is more an enabler, a technology Mm -hmm. that can be utilized to do the transaction mm-hmm. recording, mm-hmm. to do the tracking, mm-hmm. and uh, can be accessed, audited by mm-hmm. the people. Correct. And, you know, it can solve the problem of a different language, different system, mm-hmm. as well as different uh, currencies, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of differences mm-hmm. yes. uh, happening mm-hmm. along this mm-hmm. uh, whole journey mm-hmm. or the, the mm-hmm. process. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, it's more, uh, I think what I help, what helps me to think about it, it's an enabling technology. Mm-hmm. While we, st- we don't today talk about the protocols like TCP IP that makes the internet possible, but we created with those protocols a global infrastructure of communication. What I think is blockchain is creating an infrastructure of global collaboration and value exchange. Hmm, interesting. That's a different way of thinking through it. Right? Mm-hmm. Creating an infrastructure for global communication and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, beyond just exchanging information, we now can exchange real value. We can exchange documents without being afraid that they have to copy it, for example. So one of the things that people, it's, again, I'm sorry if I'm getting too technical, but um, before blockchain technology, If I send you a digital file, like an image or a Word document, you received a copy of that particular document. Yes. I still had the same. Mm -hmm. Now, if I send you a digital asset that has been recorded on the blockchain, like a Bitcoin or a Litecoin, the moment I transfer the digital asset from me to you, I do not have access to it anymore. It doesn't exist with me anymore. So... Different to taking a picture and sharing the picture. I'm sharing, I'm transmitting. I'm not sharing, I'm transmitting a digital asset. So I create now something that is unique, purely in the digital world and cannot be copied and multiplied. 
That's more like、uh, the physical goods you transferred to me.、Mm-hmm. Now I I paid you, then I own it. You don't have it anymore.、Mm-hmm. Uh, with、yes. uh, blockchain, not only the asset transferred, you have all these records,、mm-hmm. and it's you can trace where it come from,、mm-hmm. from who to who,、yes. and there's no way to change it. You're absolutely correct, Vishal.、Mm-hmm. Okay, I think it's time to take a quick break. We'll be back right away. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back. Before the break,、uh, Mark and I talked about、uh, you know, Mark, you shared with us about the history of a blockchain. Because I wanted you help us understand what is blockchain. <laughs> That was a long story, right? But it's a good way to really help me. Help our audience understand,、uh, you know, in a way that people can make it more tangible.、Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something、uh, like the Bitcoin in the last、uh, before the break. And then、uh, I also heard things like,、uh, well, the crypto contracts. Bitcoin is one type of those、uh, crypto currency. And I also heard things about、uh, the smart contracts. So can you tell us a little bit information about what those smart contracts and the connection between smart contracts as well as these cryptocurrencies? Happy to do this, Michelle. So I think we talked about、um, like the the recording of a transaction on a blockchain, so the transfer of pure value. It's、um, like a small little computer program that basically says, "Mark sends one bitcoin or a fraction of a bitcoin to Michelle, and that that's then recorded." And there are multiple what we call cryptocurrencies that have their own blockchain that is managing all the transaction for that particular one currency. So there's a Bitcoin blockchain, there's a Litecoin blockchain, there's a Dash blockchain, a Monero blockchain. All of those have different technological setups, different sizes of communities, different pros and cons, but they all have one thing in common: that they are only focusing on sending value from one person to another. We call those cryptocurrencies. Mm. Many years ago, I got introduced to the concept of what we called smart contracts. This is utilizing the blockchain technology for not only transferring value, but actually utilizing it for more complex contracts. So, for example, you and I can agree to ship some, say, immunizations from one place to the other. Mm-hmm. And we agreed if they reach a specific city, and they have always been stored under a certain temperature, I have fulfilled my contract and I get paid. So the money automatically gets released. But if the temperature has at one point in time risen too much, it's spoiled. 
I haven't fulfilled my contract of the transportation under SBF agreed, and I'm not getting paid. So there is a, a need that uh, can track all this uh, temperature mm -hmm. and the location mm -hmm. along the way. So, for example, mm -hmm. I yeah. could have like an internet-connected thermometer with the shipment that goes from A to B. But on the other hand, how do I know that you actually will pay me? How can I make sure that you have the money and will fulfill it? So what we do is we create a smart contract, which means you are putting your payment, let's say the $100,000 equivalent, into the smart contract. Mm -hmm. So it's recorded on the blockchain that this payment is going to move from your wallet to my wallet if a certain condition is met. Mm -hmm. So we wait until the shipment arrives, and the moment the shipment arrives... And the thermometer says it has been constantly under this temperature. Mm -hmm. The contract automatically releases the payment. So I can be sure that I'm going to get the money. You can be sure only to pay the money if the actual condition has been met. And the money is not what we see the U.S. dollar or those kind of money, right? Correct. It's what Correct. we just talked about, the, the, mm -hmm. those type of cryptocurrency, exactly. digital assets. Exactly. It's a cryptocurrency that would be released in that moment. The most well-known platform for those smart contracts, it's called Ethereum, was developed by a Russian-Canadian young man, Vitaly Buterin, from, um, and the foundation is in Switzerland, and they have thousands and thousands of people now creating these kind of smart contracts and business solutions on top of the Ethereum blockchain. But how As, does mm, those kind of uh, currency mm, connected with the real currency we're using, right, mm, internationally? Um, Michel, that's the way how to buy currency, cryptocurrencies. There are global exchanges that are different than uh, the Wall Street. They are these exchanges are open 24 hours, seven days a week, where you can use traditional U.S. dollars or other currencies and buy cryptocurrencies from other people. You can do it on those, again, in the U.S., Coinbase is very well known. One of the older ones is Kraken, there's Gate.io, there's Bittrex here in Seattle. There are a lot of different exchanges that allow, A, to buy with traditional fiat money into cryptocurrencies, but then also trade those cryptocurrencies with each other. So trading Bitcoin into Ethereum, Ethereum into Monero, Monero into Dash. So it's all like of those dollar, kind of things. US dollar, Euro dollars, exactly. all these different dollars yes. being exchanged. And, and all of those markets are very fast, mm -hmm. transparent, and they are open 24-7. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of volatility. We see a lot of things happening on a global scale in those markets. That's why these fluctuations happening quite quickly still. But again, we're in the very, very early times of, of how these cryptocurrencies or tokens are traded on a global scale. But the interesting thing, I think, we're going back to Ethereum, is that businesses see that they can build completely new business models on this Ethereum and smart contract model. There's, for example, nearly all large IT companies, but uh, also a lot of logistic companies, banking companies, have joined something that's called the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, EEA. So if you go to their website, you find basically every logo that is relevant in the space. They're working together and figuring out how can they leverage this specific technology to create inter-organizational transactions and business models. We have now thousands of companies that have built new things or planning on building new things on the uh, different blockchains. There's Ethereum, of course, is the 
traditional, the, the old person, the old established Ethereum uh, smart contract platform. But we have other con platforms like Stellar, for example, or Cardano that are thinking about, they're creating something similar, EOS, of course, where you might have heard about. So there's a lot of different things that are still happening and a lot of innovation happening globally. So what you are saying is there are many new currencies are being created by different mm. people these days. Oh, absolutely. Uh -huh. Yes, that's a very interesting topic, though, especially since 2017. People have realized that they can create tokens out of thin air. Mm -hmm. And a digital asset, to create it as a digital asset, if you, I think there's a YouTube video how you can do it in 30 seconds, uh, 30 <laughs> minutes, sorry. <laughs> but um, the question is, what is a, the digital asset actually worth? Yeah, and what does mm -hmm. it stand for, right? Mm -hmm. If it's just digital, then mm -hmm. it's, if it's not uh, mm -hmm. connected with the physical things mm -hmm. or yes. something, mm -hmm. it can be an IP or some other stuff, right? Otherwise, it's mm -hmm. just, uh, you know... Or it could be a mining <laughs> infrastructure of lots and lots of big computer centers that are turning energy into verification of the transaction process, like with the Bitcoin uh, process. Mm -hmm. So I could create the mark coin, and the question is, what would you be willing to pay for it, right? Right. And that's, it's our negotiation between each other. What happened in 2017, a lot of people realized it, and a lot of people unfortunately heard that blockchain is a really cool thing, which is true, <laughs> and they can get rich very quickly, which is not so much true in a lot of cases. So we have seen, especially in late 2017, a lot of people coming up with completely crazy ideas, and going out with not real business plans, but maybe wild ideas or maybe even f fraudulent concepts mm. and asking people for money. And as a traditional investor, I do angel investments for like eight years. We look very, very closely at every company before we decide to invest. And usually we look at 100 companies and invest maybe in one. What happened about a year ago, late 2017, is um, if somebody said, I do blockchain, give me money. Um, people didn't do due diligence and they just sent them electronic money and prices went up. Everything, uh, a lot of people, like, so the money it's wasn't... A buzz. Yeah. yeah, they're creating a buzz. Right? Yes, the money and the hype. The money wasn't lost. It was just in the pocket of somebody else. Uh -huh. um, and unfortunately, those other people sometimes were really well-meaning building something real. And there are some really good projects out there. But the vast majority were people that either were fraudulent or just simply not capable of, of building what they were planning on building. Yeah, by the way, China, the government has forbidden <coughs> the Bitcoin. I forgot when, but it was some time ago, right? The, the government issued a, mm -hmm. a regulation or, so, yes, or policy, China, something So yeah, the like Chinese that. government, said, just to be clear, they don't forbid Bitcoin. What they do forbid is what I just mentioned earlier, this raising of money called an initial coin offering, even advertisement for an initial coin offering. This is basically me printing or creating these coins and offering them for sale. That is something the Chinese government and other governments around the world have seen. There's so much fraud happening, we forbid it completely, mm -hmm. which is understandable to protect the citizens and unsuspecting investors. On the other hand, though, an ICO is a very interesting vehicle of how to raise funds for startups. If you think about building a company, you would have, the traditional way is you have to raise money from your friends in your usually in your geography. You try to find angel investors. You might find when you're bigger JV or some other bigger investors, and it's a really hard process. And you're very low, uh, limited. 
On the other hand, in the blockchain space, the ICO space, the uh, initial coin offering space, what was possible was you reach out to a global community of people that hopefully understand what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So they, it's more like a crowdfunding where people that care about a certain problem can support that particular project with their money. Mm -hmm. And that was the original concept of crowdfunding. That's the original concept of what an ICO was supposed to do. Again, unfortunately, over the last 12 months, a lot of people misused that vehicle that I think was a good or is a good vehicle in general. But um, it's being utilized it's, by some people. But it's for the vast majority of people utilizing didn't utilize it in the right way. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So what you are saying is, if a startup they want to raise money, they can issue their coins mm -hmm. or their their whatever currency, mm -hmm. right? Yes. A token, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's okay. the right mm -hmm. word. Yes. And mm -hmm. then other people from worldwide, wherever. Mm -hmm. They can use their real mm -hmm. money to pay to yeah. buy that mm -hmm. uh, token, and hopefully someday mm -hmm. the token can mm -hmm. get uh, appreciation. Mm -hmm. You know, increase the value. Mm -hmm. Correct. I mean, just to be clear, I'm not providing any investment advice. But looking back at the next twelve last twelve months, I can there were some projects that used this vehicle, and I think they have been very successful. I think one company is here out of Bellevue, um, out of the Seattle area. Um, those were the development team from Disney. They built the original Disney internal blockchain implementation, Disney open source the technology, the team left Disney, take this open source technology and make it available to everybody outside. They created a company and a foundation called Dragon Chain. They raised money, very moderated, moderate amounts by late 2017. They published a roadmap of which technology they're going to release with that money over mm -hmm. the years. Um, and they are just chopping away. They're called, I think the Dragon Chain people, every month they're hitting their milestones, they're working with the global community. There was no big hype that drove that coin to billions of dollars, but it's just a team to, that is believing in the technology, a community around it. They're building step by step and fulfilling the promise they have delivered, they made to the community. So drag chain, mm -hmm. uh -huh, that's a company. Yeah. So what you are saying is they're providing blockchain technology mm -hmm. to enable other companies to use or implement that technology. Correct, right? correct. Mm -hmm. Again, everybody has to make their own investment decisions. Another example is a company out of Jakarta. We talked about how does a company raise funds. Jakarta. Jakarta. Okay. Um, it was it's like founded by a Chinese um, origin Malays that moved to Jakarta and built this built this company. Saw a need for um, payment processing for small merchants. So what's the ability for people that uh, in a village or farmers that do not have access to the banking system today? How can they? They are to, they are underserved. So what they did is they created a concept and raised money in early 2018. Said, uh, I think they raised about $40, $50 million, which is a lot of money on one side, but mm -hmm. compared to all these billions that some of the other projects raised, it's really nothing. And um, executing against that vision over the last 12 months. So you can now utilize their products in Singapore, Taiwan, South America. So all of these underserved communities are starting now to have the ability um, to leverage finance instruments that were precluded from them before and very likely would have been another 5, 10, maybe 20 years if a company like this wouldn't have made it possible. And I think you can see Pundix people, I, did, I don't think they bought like speedboats but <laughs> and mm -hmm. other things, they really invested into the product and the community. Those I think are very, very good examples of projects where the international collection of funds into a specific project with clear accountabilities really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. All right, I think it's time to take another quick break and uh, we will be back very soon. 
China is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China. From business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students, you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career. Listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For business sake, you need to tune in. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back now. So, Mark, I would like to know more about China with this topic. Because uh, I know blockchain is very hot in China these days. Even though we before the break we talked a little bit about about the government, Chinese government was trying to protect the investors, so kind of forbidden some sort of transactions there, right? So, but the blockchain is hot topic in China and in the investment community. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what's going on with blockchain in the China market. Oh, absolutely! I'm as I, said, I think if it doesn't come through yet, I'm very excited about the innovation potential and what happened, especially in the blockchain space in China.、Um, I was just in Xi'an a couple of、uh, I think two months ago、um, on a, a presentation, a discussion about distributed autonomous organizations. That's an thinking about new forms of collaboration that are based on smart contracts. It's probably going a little bit too far for this conversation, but I was really impressed with the ability. To innovate, and the passion of the community that was coming together in those kind of events.、Um, I think it's important to understand that China is a key player in the global blockchain community today.、Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the mining, or that's basically verification and managing of the ledgers, is actually happening on data centers that are based in China. A lot of the Hardware, the computers that are used, they are optimized for this mining activities. Even if they are not located in China, they actually build in China. The、uh-huh. largest provider, Bitmain, is building chips、uh, that are specialized that are shipped all over. The, those chips are shipped all over the world. They are utilized in data centers from Iceland to Washington State, and verifying this ledger on a global space. So we have.、Um, A lot of entrepreneurs from China in the blockchain space and building a very, very good business on a global on a global level. Then the funds they have raised in that space, both in the blockchain space, but also in the traditional way, of course, have been invested. So you have a very active Chinese investment community. Not necessarily all the small private investors that were protected from the ICOs, but you have institutional investors in Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen that are looking. At fostering the next innovation wave that is coming in the blockchain space, again, not only in in China, there is a lot of innovation happening there. But in the blockchain space, we are looking at the innovation really on a global space. The organizations, as I said mentioned earlier, they might be in Seattle or Jakarta, and the funding might come from everywhere, including、um, large large amounts that are from Chinese investors. Into those kind of projects. Yeah, Chinese VCs. They,、um, I know, currently blockchain is one of the very hot topics、mm-hmm. that、uh, Chinese VCs are looking at.、Mm-hmm. So、they are also looking at like AI. Two years ago, VR AR was very hot.、Mm-hmm. Now that become a, a little bit past.、Mm-hmm. The, 
Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely AI and mm -hmm. the blockchain mm -hmm. are the very hot mm -hmm. topics for them. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I was just two weeks ago, I was uh, moderating the investor panel in Singapore for a show called Block Show. Which, block show. Block okay. show, which uh, is, an is a series that was in Europe, the US, and then in Asia, now in Singapore. And it was interesting to see that while the block show, we had thousands of visitors, at the same time, there was a consensus fintech event in New York where nobody showed up. So they really see where hmm. the innovation potential and the passion is. But yes, um, when I was, I was moderating this panel in Singapore, we had the leading investors in the blockchain space there. We have Finbushi, we have all, a lot of the JR, we had a lot of these investing uh, people on stage fostering the discussion. Those are all very young, very educated people that are really seeing the potential and trying to make sure that uh, finding the right entrepreneurs to help them to succeed. I'm curious about why China, because the U.S. Mm -hmm. is historically being mm -hmm. the one leading mm -hmm. in VC as well as mm -hmm. the technology, right? Why China this time comes so brave or embracing mm -hmm. this blockchain from investment side as well? Well, I think there are a couple of there are a couple of reasons to do so. There's just not it's not only one reason, but I think what really happened helped is you have a very well educated broad technology educated broad population you have a lot of capital that has been created in china mm -hmm. over the last decade that is looking for investment opportunities though what blockchain does it's providing a decentralized infrastructure but all not only for the technology itself but also for the investors so while you are might be located in China, you can invest in companies all over the world. Mm -hmm. You might be an entrepreneur in China, but you are able to collaborate with people all over the world, both on the technology side, on the community side, but also on the investment side. The decentralization of the blockchain infrastructure really brings the smartest people um, from all around the world together. And it they can be the smartest in technology and finance and business models. It really, Adam Draper put it quite nicely, he said every time he goes to a blockchain event, he, see, he finds the smartest people he has never met before. So it's a <laughs> really, it's a very humbling experience. And uh, as you asked me earlier, I said, I do this for four years and I feel like if I'm not learning 24 hours a day, I'm falling behind. <laughs> I mean, and that's one of the things we do at EdgeTech. We're really helping our business clients to making sure that they don't have to spend 24 hours, but they have the ability to really get the latest information as well. Mm. So then who are the people really needs blockchain? It's interesting to think like it's going back 20 years. Who is the, who are the people that need the internet? Um, <laughs> Now it's everybody. <laughs> exactly, exactly. A lot of the conversations we are having right now remind me very, very much what happened in the early 1990s. If you go back to the earlier sessions of our, of our conversations, heck, who needs bookkeeping? Who needs a database to manage their data? Who needs email? Who needs communication? Who needs a bank account? All of those things are tools that make our life easier or more productive. And um, blockchain technology, I think we will see in more and more of these areas, less as a technology, but more as a capability that will influence how we do things. I think it will be in, let's say, 10 years from now, if I would say today, my phone works with the internet or my application works with the internet, sounds kind of ridiculous, but it was a really cool selling argument 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I will think in about 10 years ago, we will have financial uh, tools, we will have communication and collaboration things that just work in different ways, allow new things. And the reason why they do it, it's because they are using blockchain technology, but they are not 
blockchain tools that do other things. Mm-hmm. Mm, so what you are saying is blockchain will be almost everywhere and behind it, right? It's, it's something. It's a technology mm-hmm. enable other applications happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. New models. I mean, we have worked with um, our company has worked with um, let's say coffee companies. You probably have heard about because they care about sustainability and corporate responsibility. They want to make sure that their customers know exactly that the beans they are using in their coffee coming from responsible farming, organic farming, having paid the farmers a living wage. And with blockchain technology, those kind of supply chains can be actually shown in much much better and more transparent way to the end consumers than it was possible before. So the application here is more tracing, tracking、mm-hmm. the source. Right.、Uh, instead of、uh, we、mm-hmm. talked earlier, the currency, the、mm-hmm. smart contracts. Yeah. Cor- so it、yeah. can be、mm-hmm. blockchain is a technology can be utilized、mm-hmm. in many different applications. Correct. I mean,、mm-hmm. we see the airlines that has in Qantas, for example, has started to use instead of the airline miles tracked in a database, and you know probably how hard it is to utilize your airline miles for something that like a hotel room、mm-hmm. or from. They're using blockchain technology to make this much much easier. So you will be able to utilize your miles with all the. Different players in a much simpler and for them much cheaper way to、mm. to manage these things. So I think we will see a lot of these、um, things in our daily life becoming easier,、um, just because blockchain technologies are used in the background. Wow, sounds great. Well,、uh, I think、uh, we should all get to learn a little bit more about the blockchain and、um, imagine the future. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, on yourself, what's next? You have been doing so many different things, right? And all this cutting-edge stuff and、mm-hmm. speaking everywhere. So, what's next? <laughs> so,、um, upcoming, of course. I mean, I have. I like to speak at events on a global scale. So, I have to be a little bit selective where I'm speaking. As I just said, I was just in Singapore, was in Malta for the Malta Blockchain Summit because that's one of the countries that are really fostering the ecosystem. Countries like the U.S. are. It's really hard to do a lot of the innovation in the blockchain space. China, we talked, we touched on. It's、uh, a lot of opportunities, but also a lot of challenges. So I'm globally quite a little bit around. I'm going to be in, at CES, the Consumer Show in Las Vegas. We are launching Blockchain Book for Business People while I'm there. So, so you are launching be, a book? Yes. At yes, the CES. Yes. Thank you. We are launching a book at CES that should help business people and investors to have a much better understanding of the technology and really making more informed decisions of、um, how they look at the. Technology. Then I will be in Davos for the during the World Economic Forum. There's a lot of blockchain discussions that are happening there, and then of course a relatively full schedule in 2018. EdgeTech. We have a lot of our businesses have really moved into the blockchain space, especially what are the business scenarios and what can be done. And、um, yeah, it's always been it's it's an interesting world that never stops. We just talked as we talked about ICOs as one thing. Now the Latest craze that people might hear about is called the STOs, the security token offerings. This is kind of like trying to get away around the U.S. financial regulations. Huge attorney bills to make these things happening. We will see where that all goes. That's the hot thing this month, I guess, or the next maybe two or three, and then we will see where that goes. Stable coins are another term your audience might hear. Those are the tokens that are. Backed or claimed to be backed by specific physical assets like U.S. dollars, and there's an interesting model that work. 
maybe some that don't work so much, some that look more like a pyramid scheme. So it's really difficult for an investor and a business person to peel all of this apart and look at this in detail. And again, we are happy, we are happy to help and, and engage people in a more one-on-one fashion to making sure that they have as much of the information and the contacts to the people that really are deep in the material. Hmm. Well, that sounds a very fast-changing world, uh, new, everything's new, and then you guys are learning, then you help other people to understand it in an easy way, right? Like the story mm-hmm. you talked about, uh, trace back 5,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you mentioned the book that mm-hmm. will be at mm-hmm. a CES launch, mm-hmm. and how do people get that book in the future? So the easiest way to find anything about me is... Uh, just my last name. There are not many people with Müller-Eberstein out there. So if you just go to www.müller-eberstein.com, you can find uh, my profile as well as all the things we're publishing, where I'm speaking, um, a lot of uh, links to videos, and even some of the PowerPoint presentations that are uh, that are available are out there. We talk about yeah, we talk yeah. about the companies we work with and so on. Yes. Yeah. Mm? Uh, well, hold on. Mm? Can you spell out uh, the website? Uh, Mula-Everstein.com. Sure. Yeah, because it's pretty long. It is. And I hope it's in the show notes. So it's www.mueller-eberstein.com. That's a long last name. <laughs> I would say my grandfather paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> my last name is three letters Z O U. Okay. <laughs> All right. And your company, um, I think uh, the edge tag, uh, we need to spell it out, is A D G E T E C dot com. That's correct. That's uh, yes. also where mm-hmm. people can find more information yes, about yes. Uh, what you guys do. We have a really great team of consultants that are working with uh, people all across the globe. Edge tech, I called it like the bleeding edge of technology, but spelled with an A at the beginning. Yeah, so, you are kind of created a word. Yes, right? I created <laughs> that when I, about eight years ago. Um, and um, we have the honor of working with really, really interesting projects and people from across the globe, Europe, China, North America. And we learn a lot in that process as much as we share, of course, and uh, connecting people is one of the key things we like to do and uh, bringing the world to the next level there, taking advantage of this third wave of innovation. Wow. Thanks so much for your time today and uh, sharing all this uh, knowledge as well as your uh, wonderful stories. Well, I also want to thank our audience for being here with us. I look forward to talking to our audience, to everybody again uh, next week through the In China with Michelle Zhou program. Thank you. Michelle, thank you very much. It's been an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhao. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 